Windsor, Ascot, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Hey, welcome to the show, lovely people of the Thames Valley, and hello to you, wherever else in the world you're listening from. How's life treating you this week? Uh, You're listening to River Radio. I couldn't be more pleased to have you here with me for the next hour on Your Life, Your Way. This is the show that is all about you. I'm Deborah Fielding, and every week I like to have a chat with you about this and that, you know, and it has become my favourite time of the week, in fact. Uh, thanks to McFly, who head up uh, your show with All About You every week. And why is that? Yes, that's right, because it is all about you. Life experiences are all over the show on Your Life, Your Way, and that's because we are not scared to take life on. Uh, what it means, what it does to us, and how we can use that to propel ourselves forward. Um, First we kick off with the glory of the story, a great guest slot where you can hear a story about your guest that will be both true and owned by them, which means it isn't anybody else's story but theirs. Uh, This week's guest is, what shall we say, he's an advocate for a very special thing that is close to my heart. He's bringing a huge topic to the table this week and it's always at the front of my agenda so I'm grateful he's here to have this big conversation with us. Straight after, glory of the story. We have what's in a word, we, where we are talking about making sense of life one word at a time. There's a lot to get through there, as you might gather, So, but it is a chance to get under the skin of what our life really means. So make sure you remember to drop me a message to tell me where you are in the world, uh, where you're listening from. We are stretching near and far. We had Las Vegas and Atlanta hit the map last week. So get your questions into your guests too. Uh, that address is deborah at river.radio messaging anytime of course and especially for the last section of the show which is all you led by you your questions your opinions your everything's q and a your way where we get your lovely questions you know i never know what's incoming which makes it very very fun for me all questions remain confidential as we unpack them live and not forgetting we've got some great music a great part of my life and our guests and i'm sure yours too again with the mics up yeah there we go before we meet this week's guest i have to say we had so many fabulous comments in about mark chase our guest from last week um he's always grabbing life in both hands and saying yes to all the big and great things life has to offer and you can listen to that again on your favorite podcast platform searching for river radio your life your way now Talk about turning a tricky situation into an amazing opportunity. This week I have managed to do just that by putting a 
quick request out there for a guest and trusting it would work out and boy did it and with some depth and style too. Um, I don't know about you but in my time I've had some incredible highs and some very debilitating lows. Uh, The biggest surprise for me was I had told myself for my whole life that I could do fed up but I didn't do depressed and I certainly didn't have any issues with my mental health. We weren't of a time where mental health was even considered and when I found myself on my knees in deep depression I didn't even know what it was or in fact that I was depressed and therefore didn't know I needed help. So how many others in the world are faced with that goodness only knows but our guest this morning wrestled with severe mental health issues from a young age and has learnt for the most part shall we say to tame it. So welcome to the show. A man of enormous strength and insight, uh, Mr. River Radio's very own Ed Tarleton. Morning, Ed. Good morning. Thank you for having me along. Now, Ed, before we get into your story, can you just tell us a little bit who Ed Tarleton is? Wow, what a question. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> I feel it a bit feels like uh, black at that stage on blind date. <laughs> feels, like a, feels like a job interview. It um, does. <laughs> I'm trying to make a good impression, yes, go irrespective on, do of it. what now comes out of my mouth. So I'm Ed Tarleton. <laughs> I am the head of sports coverage here at River Radio. I also work for the Premier League and have been involved in, in media coverage, particularly of sport, for the last 10 years or so. Prior to that, I'd studied at Nottingham University, where I did a degree in psychology because I wanted to be a sports psychologist many moons ago and haven't necessarily given up on that ambition but it was shelved after I kind of fell into doing student radio really on a whim to be honest with you because I was a I was a keen footballer and and had a bad injury Um, and that's where my media career began i I've lived locally for the last sort of 25 years. I was born in Kent, but my family moved to Oxfordshire when I was three years old. And I grew up for the most part in, in Tame over in Oxfordshire. Very nice too. Um, and yeah, I find myself here this morning having pre-recorded yesterday's Extra Time show here literally last night. Yeah. And um, yeah, the opportunity to come on and do something different with River was was one I, I thought I would enjoy. Oh, I'm so grateful. It's so lovely to have you here. I mean, you're living in the studio at the moment. You know, I'm just looking for your sleeping bag somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Fully booked. Um, so let's delve into your story. Um, tell us a bit more why you've agreed to come on and what the whole thrust of this conversation is going to be. Well, the subject that I'm really passionate about is, is mental health and, and specifically mental health in young men. Because um, when I was at university, I found that I began to struggle with my mental health. And I I found it very interesting when you said initially, you you may be many things. I may be down or I may be upset or I may be feeling a bit blue and I'm not depressed. And when I was about 18 or 19, that was exactly how I felt. Perhaps not necessarily for the same reasons, but certainly the concept of depression never really entered my head. But when I was studying, I began to find things or find things really, really difficult. And I wasn't really sure why that was. And and progressively, I started to, to be on a huge downward trajectory that saw me um, become suicidal um, for long, long periods of time. Oh, sorry, what age were you at this? So this? I would have been probably probably 19 I think 19 was was the worst period um and I wasn't seeking any help and the reason I wasn't seeking any help was because I was a young man I was playing football for my for my university and the circles that I mixed in I didn't really feel it was was appropriate for me to to bring this up with groups of of young sort of testosterone fueled men that I was mixing with quite a lot of the time my groups of friends and at the time as well society wasn't talking about mental health in quite the same way that it is now 
I now have to look very hard anymore to find stories about people struggling with mental health. And that's a really positive thing. But back then, it just wasn't the done thing. And I, I'm just bringing in a bit of your age here, because I mean, I'm much older than you. And you're saying back then, and that's not that long ago. No, we're talking probably 2009. Yeah, which is incredible. I mean, if you go back, back to my day, it was a real big taboo topic to talk about. Well, nobody just would. We wouldn't have done that. Exactly that. And and that was how it felt at the time. And I think the struggle can feel really, really individual. Yeah. And I certainly felt that way. It kind of feels like you're the only person dealing with it. Um, I always find this fascinating when something goes wrong and it's a big deal in your life. You think you're the only person in the world with it and you can't possibly talk about it because you're so ashamed of yourself. Exactly that. And, and it was that feeling of shame and guilt and embarrassment as well, yeah. to be totally honest with you. And as I say, the circles I mixed in, I didn't feel were conducive for me being open and, and honest about that. And there weren't really many role models around who were who were doing that. My family actually has got quite a, quite a long history with mental health problems. But I was an only child and, and both my parents had, had had issues with it as well. And my conceptualisation as a result of that was it was something that happened to people who were in their, their middle age. Yeah. I now know that to be complete nonsense. Indeed, often it is young people who really struggle and that has come very much to the forefront. And I'm really pleased about that because having been a young person where that information wasn't quite as readily available, that was really the source of embarrassment. I honestly thought that I was dealing with a condition that actually only struck people when they were in their sort of 40s, 50s and so on. Um, So that became a a reason that I didn't want to, to talk about it openly. But fortunately, I was eventually directed to a fantastic GP who put me in touch with a a mental health service, a counselling service that we had at the University of Nottingham where I studied, where ultimately I hooked up with a counsellor who has been brilliant for me ever since I've known him. We still talk now. His name's Rob Sharp and a big shout out to him because (laughs) bluntly he's he's one of the reasons I'm probably still here. Um, And so in that regard, you know, I actually managed to get back onto a pathway of managing a condition. So depression, seasonal affective disorder and anxiety disorder are all things that that lie within beneath the surface of me. But I've got to a stage where I'm able to, broadly speaking, manage those conditions. And I'm not too hard on myself when it becomes too difficult to do that. So while you're at college, before you get to this part, for the people that are out there now really struggling and don't probably even realise there's anything wrong, like I didn't, you know, I just thought I was fed up. And even I, I berated myself even for saying that in my, in my own head. Um, you know, how, how, what's the first steps? How do they kind of cope with that and, and find help? Because it must have been quite damaging to you until you got on the right trajectory. I think... Periods of prolonged low mood are quite damaging, particularly when you're not really able to grapple with with why you're feeling that way. Certainly back then, and and I would imagine to a certain extent now, the natural thing people do is they kind of widen their gaze to encompass their whole life. and, And often the conclusion they come to is, well, things aren't that bad because invariably and I think particularly with social media now comparisons are always invited because you look at the news today and there's a lot of negative stories and invariably you sit there and think to yourself well goodness me that must be awful but it's not happening to me and therefore my life by comparison is is pretty comfortable right exactly but unfortunately it, it doesn't really work like that it doesn't matter what your personal circumstances are mental health problems be it depression anxiety disorder bpd uh, schizophrenia eating disorders these are all illnesses in the same way that you know having a long-term condition like cancer is an illness you know you would never look at somebody who had cancer and say well you're not unwell mental health problems fall into a category of of being unwell too 
But I think there is this concept of being able to soldier on and get yeah, through the difficult times. I think it's times. more hidden, isn't it? It's a quieter thing. Exactly. And I think sometimes I would encourage people to perhaps lower the threshold of what they would consider to be really difficult but part of life. That is such amazing advice. And and perhaps recognise when sometimes things are, are really difficult. I mean, I'm 33. I've just come, I work for the Premier League a lot of the time and, and during the, the off season, I'm not contracted. So I get a, a period of time off where I go and I find some freelance work, but I also take a bit of a break. And towards the end of last season, I felt myself getting burned out, to be totally honest with right. you. And when I did finally stop, I kind of took a couple of days and then I started to reflect on that. And why had I, I felt like that? I've worked in, in season cycles for, that was the sixth year and yeah, it's always tiring towards the end and you're really pushing yourself to get over that over that last fence, you know, complete that final furlong. But I reflected on some of the things that had happened in my personal life over the last five, six months. And for the first time ever, I was able to sit back, not unpick those things too much, but sit there and go, actually, yeah, if that had happened to anyone else, I'd have sat there, empathised and thought that would have been really difficult. And I'd never been able to do that with myself with such conviction before and that felt like a real step just to be able to say that would have been difficult and that's probably why you were feeling jaded towards the end of the season and that's amazing that you're able to stop and do that because I find that um oftentimes it's when the overwhelm comes the overload comes and I don't know about you but I have to catch myself in the act I can really see myself stood in front of me punching myself in the face I'm my worst enemy at times and I have to really catch that now when I see it happening exactly and I think sometimes for me it's experience it has taken me 15 years of of grappling with mental health issues one way or another in order to get to a point where I'm able to sit there and draw a line under some things that happened that I, I know were difficult and I knew they were difficult at the time but I'm working, I'll just press on, I've been through worse than this before and so on and so forth. And it's only when you sit down and, and just think of a, a list of things, okay, well, well that happened and, and that was that was tough. And then there was this as well yeah. and, and I got to, I mean, even little things. About five weeks ago, you may recall in our River Radio group, I stabbed myself through the hand. Oh my gosh, I Whilst I was cutting up an avocado yeah. and as ludicrous as the injury sounds, <laughs> funny thing, that is, on the NHS now, that is recognised as an injury. Avocado hand is an entry you can put on a form it's of an injury. Deal. And it's exactly what happened yeah, to me. Get, and the most injuries you know, I've, got, are there. I've got the scars here. I had some surgery a couple of weeks oh, back and, and for what happened it, it actually looks fantastic and and if that was the worst case scenario then I'll take it all day long because yeah. I didn't hit bone or tendon I haven't compromised movement and no, so on and so right. forth but even things like that it was only about a fortnight before I finished my working contract but again it's just a it's just another, another thing. thing it's yeah. I've got to go for surgery and I've, I've got to do my rehab and I'm in quite a lot of pain and and all this sort of stuff and cumulatively things you could you, you that you could cope with individually often grind you down because it is that effect of accumulation they do and so I think um it's really important that you're aware of what's going on around you and in your life I had cause to um write down some things that had gone on for me over this last what six years or so and when I'd finished I think I'd been given a tiny little like section to fill it in I wrote three pages Mm -hmm. and I cried when I finished reading it because I couldn't believe all that had happened to one person and then the reality hit me that it was me and I'd never really a friend of mine says you're just great at parking things so you can function in your life I'm a single mum with two great kids and so I've got to keep going so it's high functioning um depression or 
you know, whatever goes on. Um, so I just kind of buried it and it really made me sad. But the writing down of it was like so cathartic. It just changed everything for me. And that's probably where that emotion stemmed from. Like you say, when you take a look at that page and if you'd read that about anybody else, oh I'm sure you would have sat there and thought, goodness me, that's a lot. How could all this happen? It can't. To one person. And, <laughs> for them to and be okay. It, it can. And the sad thing is that actually there will probably be a lot of people who have got a lot to write on a page if you gave them the opportunity. But okay. how many people are, are not writing down those things, as you say, because things get parked for the pursuit of day in, day out life and, and the things that you have to do. And sometimes I don't think we prioritise our own, our own health and our own psyche quite enough in the way that we should, which is why I say I've learned to maybe lower my own personal thresholds as I to what that. I isn't. Love that okay for me to be dealing with on my own and what I need to what I need to talk about I think I'll take that away from today because um I've heard people tell me to lower my personal threshold of things and I've never really embraced it shall we say uh, because I'm I'm a strong person I can get on with things but the truth is and I've taught my daughter this you know she says I'm strong and she's I said but you don't have to be all the time doesn't matter whether you're strong or not wise words yeah so good time to take a musical break so we're going to Come in with a Groove Armada and If Everybody Looked the Same, which I think is quite appropriate for today. You know what fellas good? You know what fellas good for the moolah? You know what fellas good for the moolah?
If everybody looked the same, we so would be tired of looking at each other. If everybody felt the same and thought the same, we would not have this wonderful mix of ideas and creativity and energy we all have. Life would be pretty darn boring. But being able to enjoy each other's differences and being respectful of one another and how we feel and how we solve life's challenges is really the fun, uh, the challenge and the fabric of our lives, isn't it? Um, It's taken me an age to understand that. You have to let fun in, um, just as you have to choose to be happy and the massive effect that has on your brain. Uh, I love that song from Groove Armada. It's a little reminder to hold back your judgment, enjoy being different. Uh, so welcome back to Your Life, Your Way with me, Deborah Fielding, and my very, very smart guest this morning, Ed Tarleton. Um, Ed, can you talk to me about how you learn to handle your life and how you handle your life now, really, and what do you have in your toolkit, for the want of better words, to enable you to follow and navigate your world? Well, I think your personal toolkit as to how you, as I said previously, manage a condition or conditions like the ones that, that periodically rear their head in, in my life is a very personal thing because everyone's experience is very individual. What you said earlier about you can feel this is only happening to me, in a sense, that is true because your personal experience is is only happening to you and there are times where you're not able to express or emote that in a way that often I think when you have a mental health problem you're almost seeking validation from other people which is when I say lower one's threshold as to what's really difficult so often I would be dealing with things that were well beyond what I would expect myself to you know aptly cope with now without suffering some sort of kickback as a result and it's different for each person right because what you might be dealing with might be a ton for me for example I, I you know I could cope with things that you've got and vice versa so that's where we're at here we're all different I think that's very much the case and and so you know as I said to you before when you looked at, you know, the pages that you'd written. If you'd applied that story to anybody else, you'd sit there and think, goodness me, how has someone dealt with so much? I'd have to go so and much? find this person and give them a hand, is but, what I wanted to but do. But therein lies the thing. I put it to you that, that you probably never thought that about yourself until not. it was all down on paper. And, yeah. and actually, it's interesting because that was the first way in which I was able to, to some extent, draw a line under what had happened to me up to that point. When I graduated from university in, in 2011, I went and took a job with my university's Malaysia campus, where I was based 45 minutes outside Kuala Lumpur. And then remotely from there, I wrote an article based upon my experiences of studying while suffering with a mental health condition. I was also vice president of the university's football club. I was doing stuff with the university radio station. And now I reflect on it. At that point, I was what has become quite a common and popular phrase, but but wasn't really in circulation at the time. I was quite a high-functioning depressive. I was doing all these different things. Yeah. And then I wrote this article just about it because I just wanted to shine a light on what it was that I had been dealing with because I'd spent so much time concealing it from nearly everybody. Um, I remember having self-harmed once and then going into college the next day and, and people saying, what's that on your arm? And, and I'd bandaged it up, oh, I burnt myself on the oven. Well, unless you burnt your entire forearm, which is, is you do well yeah. to do that. Yeah. You know, it, the story just didn't stack up. Um, but I would do that and then I would conceal that. And, and I remember working with my counsellor, Rob, who I mentioned before, and And he was able to make sense of that behaviour for me. To be honest with you, what I recall going through at the time was this self-harm thing. That's something depressives do. I haven't done it. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that will make me feel better. It didn't. Um, And he said to me, the thing is that you clearly spend a lot of your time concealing all of these emotions you're dealing with. 
And that is a physical expression of those emotions because no one else can see them and you don't maybe feel able to to speak about them openly with your, your peers, with your friends, for reasons we discussed at the top of the show. So I wrote this article when I left university and there were 7,000 miles between me and the people I knew who would read it. And I got a number of messages from people I had known. I had worked alongside at the university radio station. I got some from people I'd played football with and so on and so forth saying I had, I had no idea. I'd, I'd been coaching there as well. I got messages from players I'd coached from the women's team saying, you never you never said and and that was the point you're right I never said and a few years later Nottingham started this thing called um, welfare and sport which found its origins to some extent in that article the people who actioned it went to their disability sports officer a woman called Hannah Weber and said look we've been thinking about this and she passed my article on to them and they read it and I think to some extent it cemented that thing of we, we really need to be offering more to students and so on and so forth and I went to the launch and someone asked me about that article and the reason I bring this up is because of what you said about writing down those things that had happened in your life we had a Q&A and to be honest with you we put some questions in the audience because I said the most embarrassing thing for yes, me would be to stand to up no <laughs> Nobody really knows who I am yeah. and nobody has anything to ask. No. We didn't use, I think we might have used one right at the very end and I was up there for about half an hour. Okay. So all of these organic questions came up and I think, I think the first one someone said was, why did, you write, why did you write the article? And the honest answer was, I couldn't really say off the top of my head. It hadn't been a, bizarrely, it hadn't been a question I'd expected, whereas now it's the first thing I would expect. Um, and I just blurted out, oh, I, I wanted to help people. And that wasn't untrue. But I realise now that actually that article, first and foremost, was catharsis. And I reflect on it now and I would write it very differently from how I did at the time, you know, 10 years ago. But it was catharsis and it was recognised not just by Nottingham. I I was nominated for a Student Journalism of the Year Award by by the Mind Charity. And I kind of realised that I felt very empowered by speaking out. And I felt for the first time that as a result of that experience that had been so very troublesome, maybe I had actually lifted the lid on a, on a bit of a can of worms that, that maybe wasn't getting the attention. And whilst I wasn't going to make it my life's work because I had other ambitions, I wasn't afraid suddenly to, to open up and, and, and be open about problems that I had experienced. I still find it difficult maybe to talk about things that are happening right now. Right. And I have a very select group of people to whom I do that. Rob yeah. Sharp is, is one of them. My parents are, yeah. are, are two others. Um, but certainly I was not going to be hurt anymore by things that had happened to me in the past. And progressively that has developed. I've been on several different um, sort of CBT courses. And, and one analogy I like when you talk about my toolkit is the concept of considering your life like a ship, which is if your ship has various different compartments, if you were to isolate those, you know, so in my case, it might be my professional life, my personal life, my exercise and sporting activities. And, and there might be a few others. If something goes wrong in one of those things, if you've got enough other compartments in your ship, you can stay afloat when one of them fills with water. The more things you have kind of going on, not to distract yourself, but to enrich your life, the the more chance you have of, as I say, keeping yourself above that waterline yeah. rather than, than drowning when, when you almost have only one thing going on in your life and it goes wrong. If you're just totally committed to your work and there is nothing else going on around you, very quickly you can be consumed if things start to go wrong. And that was something I I carried with me. I always try and separate areas of my life off you know so I do exercise myself but I also coach which I endure which I enjoy I have my my media you know career such as it is but I I work for River Radio which is a a wholly separate thing and and you can or I have found that sometimes when things go wrong 
for me in one area I'm able to broaden my gaze and think well actually things are going pretty well in the other areas so just see this for what it is but knowing myself I think is something that's only really happened since I've entered my 30s and accepting my own deficiencies and in areas. And that's only going to get better you know with time. Well that's I sincerely hope so yes. but it's it's recognising my own my own deficiencies and my own yeah. idiosyncrasies and not being too hard on myself about them but acting within those recently i was looking to to rewrite my cv and, and now you have these ats machines which are auto tracking systems and and i can't necessarily write a cv to hit the right things on an ats machine um so i went online and i found somebody who literally had a career writing cvs and i gave him all the information and i said i'm around for a call at any point if you need me to explain or clarify things and i paid him to do it but when I got it back, it was back within five days and it was brilliant. It was great. And I felt so proud of what I realised I had achieved yeah, yeah. that I simply wasn't expressing terribly well on the on the CV that I'd had previously. It was during one of those periods where I had an off season and I I kind of thought to myself, well, I'll get to that and I'll get to that. And I remember thinking about the fifth day off of about eight weeks, during which I don't get paid, I might add. I'm not just I'm not just swanning off on my yeah, merry little way, that. you know. Um, so I, I remember thinking, oh, well, I'll, I'll get to that. And about the fifth day, I thought... But I won't get to it, will I? And when I do, I'll try and get through it as quickly as possible. And then I'll probably be a bit disappointed with the outcome. And then I'll submit it if I perhaps go for for an opportunity and, and I might not get that opportunity as a result. And I'll be down on myself about that. I'm in a very fortunate position where I, I can probably afford this. It won't put me into debt. So why don't I try it? And I worked within my own deficiencies. And it was the first time that I can recall where I'd really sat down and thought, okay, what am I really like? Nobody knows me better than me. What's likely to happen here? Let's work with playing the odds. Odds are I will probably try and get through it as quickly as possible when I get there. It probably won't be great. It won't serve the purpose that I want and need it to. And I'll end up being down on myself further down the road. So why don't we just tackle this head on and Before I'll do you that. Start, yeah. and, and that has been a really liberating thing. And, yeah. and it's kind of swelled over into other areas of my life about 18 months ago I began to have a lot of of suicidal thoughts and I'm very keen to emphasize there's a difference between thinking suicidal thoughts and acting on suicidal thoughts it was never an event and I don't feel it was ever realistically likely to be and something that people might hear and think well how is that possible I'm quite at home with the idea that I think about ending my life quite a lot I've been there and I understand that honestly that is simply where my head goes and there was a time I think in my very early 20s when you think people thinking about killing themselves my goodness how terrible and so on and so forth and in principle yeah it is but I've never acted upon it I'm still here and I've had probably four or five times where I could say comfortably that I've had a real a real problem and a, a significant breakdown um but I was able to kind of sit there and think I actually don't want these thoughts to live in my head rent free because whilst I think statistically the odds of my acting upon them is very low based upon what's gone before I don't think they should be there at all and I don't think I should be comfortable with them being there in the way that they are and how much time they're taking up so I sought some help for those and it was the first time I'd acted preempting what might happen rather than reacted to what was happening because I think the thing about the mental health system is if you need an appointment with a counsellor you might wait three weeks if I wait until I'm really really down at the bottom of a trough and I then have to wait three more weeks yeah I feel better for having acted upon it but I've still got to get through those next three weeks so I wasn't feeling dreadful but that was happening a lot and I'm comfortable with those thoughts and feelings because they've just been around this whole time but I thought no I'm going to actually tackle this head on this shouldn't really be happening I'm okay right now but if things took a turn for the worse 
these might become more difficult to deal with. So I'll, I'll try and address why they're there now when I basically speaking feel okay. Yeah. So, acting, so you've learned to do that. Which kind is of, yeah, thing, but yeah. it's learned experience. It it's, is, it, it, it is, is the case yeah. that, as I said to you, I've had five breakdowns and most of those I've waited until I've got to the bottom of that particular downward trajectory before I've actually tried to do something and on this occasion I thought well no I I won't do that so for me various little things writing things down can be can be really helpful exercising has has been really helpful to me not competitive sport exercising just getting out going looking after yourself exactly that going for a, a long walk or going for a jog or whatever it is just just helps me maybe get some negative thoughts shake out of my it system. Off, shake them out, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and acting preemptively. And as I say, that concept of compartmentalizing one's life so that you're able to, to just maybe see the wood from the trees a little bit and, and recognize that there's more going on in your life, perhaps, than, than what it feels like yes, right now, irrespective yes. of that one thing going wrong. Yeah, you've got to just raise yourself above it and look down on it rather than being in it. And that's not always easy to do. Now, Ed, you have chosen 1975, 1975, get that out, uh, by Push Baby. So let's play that now for you. You've learned so much from the birth 
front of the cult when she laughed. I laughed too, so infectious. I said you're an addict. She called me pretentious for using big words. The hypocrisy's tragic. I've lost my lid in the way that she lives. I hate what she takes, but I love what she gives me. My seatbelt's on. Is the moment gone? 'Cause for a second it was magic. For a second it was magic. So I take my time. Ed. Thanks so much. Um, I've not heard that song before, but it was fantastic. So uh, thank you very much for your choice. You're welcome. The voice of the Thames Valley. River Radio. I think I like it. Uh, you give one quick twitch and the thing is done. Well, hey, thank you for listening to Your Life, Your Way at River Radio with me, Deborah Fielding. And my guest today has been River Radio's very own Ed Tarleton. Um, if you missed the first part of the show, you can find me as a podcast. Search for River Radio, Your Life, Your Way, or you can hop over to the website river.radio and listen again, which brings us neatly to our What's in a Word section. And this is the part of the show where you and I break down a word and chat about what it might mean for you. Now, we talked about opportunity last week, if you remember, something that our guest, Mark Chase, makes a ton of in his life. Um, and again, it is about deciding you can do that. It opens your brain and sticks your antenna up. Uh, why not give it a try this week and then tell me it doesn't work? So go on, open up your opportunity channels and let it all in. Uh, now, this week's word, I've chosen nature very aptly. So um, shall we dive in and see what that means for us? Dive in. To River Radio. Now, here's a post I wrote to support my subscribers with their mental well-being, and I wanted to read that out to you. So, nature. What a magnificent thing nature is. When you are home to anxiety and angst or depression, your body tries to swing into action. It fights your corner for you, leaving you free to steer the engine room, the home of your brain and mind. You may have your thoughts wrestled out of your hands if you leave them to chatter all over your day and leave the steering wheel freewheeling through tough or stormy waters. Getting out into the fresh air is nature's tonic. Whether it is walking or running or cycling or paddleboarding or whatever you love, nature will never let you down. For sure, until you have given it several weeks of effort, you may not feel like going. Your chattering mind will swing into action with a gazillion reasons to stop you in your tracks. Send those thoughts packing and go and breathe in some fresh air and just notice the trees and how they go through their cycles, no matter the weather. Once you're doing it regularly, you will feel quite miffed if you can't go one day. That's when you know you have it in your bones. Nature, what a magnificent thing. 
And that's pretty much what Ed and I were chatting about before Ed's music. Um, I know that over the years, walking my dog Rufus, who left us last year, and now walking my little fella Sonny gets me out whether I want to or not, in all manner of weather too. Um, I know that when I went through a divorce and a dear friend died suddenly, Rufus kept my head sane for sure. Well, just about at least. Um, Ed, I think you can relate very much to that. Absolutely. And we were talking just before, you know, how you like to go out and just take a walk. It's just like nature's remedy, really. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with you there, to be honest with you. And I I did find when I I started to do, I realised during lockdown, something I'd never done was a, was a walk for charity or or anything really big and sponsored for charity, not since I was a kid. And people around me were occasionally doing the odd marathon or skydive or whatever. And during lockdown, I think a lot of people suddenly developed big ideas of things they could potentially do. It gave us all a bit of time to perhaps reflect if we wanted to. And I came across these ultra challenge walks and um i contacted a friend of mine when when we got to a point where exercise you could exercise for as long as you wanted and i said look i'm thinking about doing a, a charity ultra challenge for um we ultimately picked calm which was um campaign against living miserably uh and i said look I, i'm thinking of doing this would you would you like to join me and he said you know what yeah that would be that would be great and we picked a I felt very uncomfortable asking people to sponsor me without really doing something I I felt was going to really push me and be a big, big challenge. So we opted to try and walk the 100 kilometre route um, in in 24 hours continuously. So it wasn't, you know, we'll do four hours here and five hours here. We walked on the day for 23 and a half hours. It was it was me, uh, my girlfriend, Molly, and my friend, uh, Ben. And what I found very quickly, whether I was training, because it was Ben and I who first started, when I was training and I could go out for sort of five, six hours at a time and just be in and among nature, occasionally I started to feel that I was getting cabin fever when I was just locked up yeah. during lockdown. Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably felt the same. Sure. But I realised that even with my capacity for self-harm in a mental sense, even I couldn't turn issues over in my head for four or five hours continually. I got exhausted. So whether I had earphones in, I didn't. I was just enjoying what was around me. The benefits I found to being out in nature with my mental health. I knew about kind of running, etc. But I'm not fit enough really to go for more than about half an hour without feeling like I might need resuscitating. <laughs> so walking was kind of more my pace in in every sense of the word. But yeah, being in and around nature, like you were saying about perhaps going out with a dog or whatever, I found just such an exhilarating experience in a way I never really imagined. Because normally the purpose of walking was to get somewhere. Often I was just doing a big circle and those circles in our training got up to 70 kilometres, which took 14 hours. Um, And then to walk for 23 and a half continuously through the night, through nausea and injuries and all this sort of thing was was a very difficult challenge. But we did manage to do it. We raised nearly £3,000 in sponsorship, which was fantastic. Um, But I've started to kind of bleed it back in. And and you say about walking the dog. I love dogs. And recently I volunteered at Stoke and Church Dog Rescue. and we and we take out rescue dogs, <laughs> me and my partner Molly, um, on a on a Sunday morning or something, and you get about you know an hour and a half to to two hours with yeah. them, and we're just out. We go into the woods at Stoke and Church. We bring a, a new dog with us most of the time yeah. who needs a walk anyway, um, and it's been fantastic. And and it is something that I would I would like to keep in my calendar moving forward because I really enjoy it. I really enjoy yeah. being around the dogs. I really enjoy volunteering and and helping in things like that. 
but I can't sit there and say it does me it does me no good either. It, it really does. It's not purely altruistic. No, of course. I love to be out and and kind of just absorbing things and just stopping and and being in the here and now. I, I heard you say something on last week's show. There's only so much of the past you can realistically hold on to mm-hmm. because really it starts to weigh you down when you're kind of going towards the future. And and I think something I've learned as I've as I've gradually got a little bit older and become more reflective is is to just live in the moment, as it were. And and for me being with this entity a a dog I haven't met who's obviously very enthusiastic about the whole thing helps me to do that um so yeah I think being being in and around nature can be tremendously beneficial for your mental health thank you so much so when you next hit the skids what can you do for yourself to raise yourself and I don't mean just raising your spirits although that is a good starting point having a strong team of friends built around you which I'd alluded to earlier is no bad thing for sure I've been blessed beyond measure with my friends and I couldn't have got through this last decade and all of its twists and turns without them Um, and I think it's been the same for Ed he's had his support team around him too and it's vital that you build that Uh, you might be asking how you go asking or even asking (laughs) You might be asking how you go about building that support team if you don't have a decent circle of friends. Well, the answer is simple. It's to go out and be a good support team to somebody else. And that's a great tonic for anybody and starts and stops there, really. It makes you feel better, too. So let's have a lovely little song which will remind us totally to do that. goodness I love a little bit of Randy Newman with You've Got a Friend in Me now uh, you might just recognise that song uh, from Toy Story of course um, sticks in your psyche when you've had children. Now um, before we get stuck into Q&A your way Ed, 
you're a presenter here on River Radio, and so we can't let that go without finding out. Tell us when, where, and what your show is all about. So our show goes out on a Wednesday evening, so it'll be tonight. We start at 7 o'clock, we go 7 to 8. Uh, we're Extra Time, which is myself, Will Taylor, and Ben Green. We also have guests who come on weekly, uh, depending on what the, the topical news is. Now, unfortunately, we recorded today's show yesterday, which was prior to the England collapse Ooh, at Home to life. Hungary. Yeah. So... Please recognise when I say what I said. It was prior to the match kicking <laughs> off. I was very much in a staunch supporter of Gareth Southgate, and I still am. Difficult times at the moment, but a 4-0 defeat at home to Hungary was not what, what England fans necessarily were anticipating or wanting. No. But yeah, we look at topical issues in the in the world of football, and we go across the game. Women's football, men's football, lower league, top flight, international, doesn't really matter. But um, I like to think we're a good listen, and, and you know we, we have a good laugh doing it as well. And, well, and look, that's I'm, the, I'm not the pitch a football pundit. It, but I did hear I've, I do tune in because I just enjoy the chat between you and mostly mostly I agree with you <laughs> <laughs> but that's the great thing about football irrespective of the fact I, I have a platform in which to share my views truth is my my opinion is is no more worthwhile than anybody else's I, I happen to be speaking on here but whether you do or don't agree isn't really the point the nice thing is that we're all united by our love of the game first that's and right, foremost yes. and that's what makes it such a great subject for radio well and it got me chatting to my son about it so I think those conversations are great however they come so you know I'm grateful to you for that we enjoy <laughs> chat about football now we had a tough questioning while Randy Newman was singing his heart out there and um, it comes in from Shelley who says she has understood what we've both been saying but has had a torrid time whereby she's lost not one but three friends this last 18 months and she feels let down by life and like she doesn't want to make new friends I mean I can relate to that Shelley I lost a dear friend and a marriage all at the same time and you do feel like giving up uh, but we didn't right we're both still here and playing the game um so while that is the case it's super important should I say that you don't give up on yourself and that for sure means the continuing engagement with life I mean what do you what's your take on that Ed? Um, Well I think friendships should should be organic I mean we've talked about my my early experiences with with depression when I was a student and the reason I picked the song I did is for me that song is a is a beautiful mess which is how I kind of look back now on my time at university and, and my best friend at the time when I eventually opened up and said look I'm, I'm dealing with this he kind of sort of drifted away with the wind as it were and you know that was a very difficult experience at the time because I felt well surely my my best friend will will understand this and and if anything it drove a big wedge between yeah. us and as a result if anything that reinforced my circumstances where I thought well, well I can't tell anyone this even my best friend has they can't cope kind of um, um, deserted me there, as, yeah. as it were and I reflect on it differently now I, I told a 20 yeah. year old man as was I that I was dealing with these things I was struggling with and, and hopes that he'd be able to, yeah, to help and, and perhaps you know maybe my my expectations when I reflect now were, were probably very different from what I would would do now I was I was really looking for a bought in a storm at the time yes. whereas now I have most of this stuff Covered. fairly well managed yeah. I think that friendships realistically should be organic you shouldn't have to work too hard at them and I do think that sometimes when you're fearing well I, you know I'm being let down all of the time friendships sometimes they run their course as it were and, and life gets in the way and so on and so forth I try not to be too hard on people when I when I feel perhaps I've been let down but yeah. equally I try and remind myself that you shouldn't have to work too hard at friendships it should be a pleasure it's meant to be fun um and i think you know give it time that those things can come back to you um you've just got to let life run its course as as unpractical as that advice may seem and it may seem a bit wishy-washy that that does to me seem to be how it works i think you're absolutely right
Now, a nice little message for you, Ed. Barbara messaged to say that she's inspired by what you've said and what you've done to support others, um, which is kind of you, Barbara. Thank you. Um, Ed, how can others get involved in supporting mental well well-being? Where can they look? I mean, I think that the obvious thing to do is to is to look local when you're doing something that is altruistic. And I think we saw that with the Ukrainian refugee crisis as well. So many people wanted to come and to help very quickly. And the easiest way to make something sustainable, and when you're talking about volunteering, it has to be a sustainable thing. I walk dogs at Stoke and Church Dog Rescue because it's 10 minutes from my house. Yeah. If it was an hour away, things tricky. quickly yeah. would would perhaps become unsustainable in certain weeks and you don't get the consistency. I would look local. Most areas have a, a mind charity or a set of volunteers who are helping with mental health. And and I think, you know, obviously there's things like fundraising, etc. Even if you perhaps just look up a local charity and see if there's anything that's going on where you can just donate as it were to to really good work i mean it's, it's got to benefit both of you right of um, course otherwise it does. you're not going to want to go it's got to be an enjoyable thing and um, you know like walking the dogs is a great tonic for you as well as the dog right precisely yeah. yeah so i think looking local and just seeing what's kind of around you so that something if you do decide to get involved can be sustainable the, the mental health area i'm really passionate about is is young men generally that fall into a certain category that i myself fell into which was being a student perhaps away from home for the first time which is why I go and do workshops with my old university talking about stuff like that. Now, if I didn't have that relationship with Nottingham, I wouldn't right. go and do that of course. Um, necessarily. But uh, but I think looking local and, and, you know, knowing oneself, knowing what you can commit to, if it is simply that you don't really have the time, but you're just going to find a charity that you think, you know what, they're doing great work and I believe in that work. And I might just, if, if I'm able to, to do it and it's not going to put me into debt, I might just make a small donation to them. But there's yeah. other ways you can get involved. And, and the thing about charities is that they're always on the lookout for volunteers. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's such a worthwhile thing to do to feel like you're helping with a subject of that nature. And have you got any particular charities that you'd like to just give a little shout out before we finish? Well, not so much a charity, but one thing I would like to mention is, is what I said before, which is Nottingham's Welfare and Sport Network. That grew from an idea that came up organically with a group of students three years after I left. They now have over a thousand members. And whenever I go back and I talk to them, I'm so blown away by the shift in attitude that, as I say, has occurred organically over the 10 years. And it is so different from when I was a, a student at university, embarrassed and ashamed of what I was going through, to people who really do want to help. And yeah. I've been able to occasionally go and, and do talks with them. And I just think anybody who is, is looking at how a mental health project should be be run and the kind of attitudes that are needed to make it successful could do a lot worse than starting there because that's not a charity but that is a group of people who have been drawn together because of that shared passion and I find it so heartening based upon what I did experience to 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 what I see now yeah and I think it's looking to what's close into your heart that's the key here um it'll keep you driving forward you'll keep the passion keep the motivation and that's where we're at so a million thank yous for that um well crikey Again, your life, your way, over and out. Uh, thank you to the generous in spirit, Ed Tarleton. It's been a gift to have you in the studio and I personally wish you a lifetime of living above the line, Ed. And on the occasions when that can't be, I wish you the ease of moving through a challenging time quickly. Thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much to you for your questions too. It's all about you. Remember that. Um, did you save me as a favourite on your podcast? Search for River Radio, Your Life, Your Way or Deborah Fielding and click the favourite button so that you are notified the next time an episode is up. Um, you can catch me this Saturday morning, actually, with the wonderful Izzy Holmes. Um, we have had so much fun 
And I was on there from 8 till 10 last week um, and I might be doing a little bit more with her. So why not tune in on Saturday while you're making your copper in the morning? A friend of mine said she was yelling, yelling at Alexa last Saturday to find River Radio, but didn't succeed. I said it's as easy as downloading the app or getting it on the website. No yelling at Alexa required. Hey, I'm Deborah Fielding wishing you a week out in nature. It's so easy this week. Light nights and warm sunshine on your skin. Bliss. Have a great week.